Welcome to the Table for One podcast, a podcast for those of you who are cooking for one. You'll find interviews with people who are cooking for one, nutrition tips, cooking tricks, and other practical topics for all my single listeners, and all without the mention of dieting or restriction because, well, dieting just kind of sucks. So join me as I explore the realities, the challenges, and highlight the joys of cooking for one in this busy world. Thanks so much for joining me today. I am really excited to share this interview that I did with my friend Luisa. Luisa is a friend of mine that I lived with a couple of years ago almost. And we just had a great conversation and a couple of the things that really stuck out about what we talked about were the fact that she's had lots of different experiences with cooking and food cultures in different countries that she's lived in. And you'll hear more about that. And then we talked about learning from friends and or roommates and ways to incorporate what you learn from them into your into your life and your cooking habits or to not take the things that don't really kind of fit within your philosophy and about food and, and, you know, kind of the time constraints and all of those constraints that you have. And our, our conversation really came down to finding joy in cooking and eating and also bringing mindfulness and slowing down when cooking is something that Louisa found to be so helpful. And she shares some really great insight about that. So enjoy. All right. Hey, Louisa, thanks so much for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. I am so excited to talk. So let's just jump right in. Tell me a little bit about what it was like to eat at your house growing up. Yeah. So I grew up in Copenhagen, Denmark, in Europe, and living in London now and having lived in the U.S. as well. There are very, very big differences to the cultures around eating. And so I grew up in a very food-loving home and household. I feel like everything centered around the kitchen is by far the room that we spent the most time in. That's where all the big conversations were had. It's always around food. Um, and my mom loved, I grew up just with my mom. Um, and so she loved socializing around food. That's, I feel like, that's just a Danish thing. When you're with friends, there has to be some sort of food on the table. So that's what I grew up with. That's what I brought with me. That's much harder in London, but I just grew up with a lot of food and a lot of love in the kitchen. That's awesome. Do you have any favorite food memories um, from your growing up? I think just my, I remember as a kid, my mom would let me experiment with anything. I'm sure a lot of kids experience that, but I just remember being allowed to cook and touch anything in the kitchen, um, which was kind of unusual because my mom could have a lot of other boundaries in other areas, but in the kitchen, there's just like free range. And so I think I, I learned that everything was good and okay in a kitchen, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably my best memories of probably making some like really, really disgusting things and then forcing my mom to eat them and her pretending that she loved it. And, but I just, yeah, I just, I, I was like free in the kitchen. I could do whatever I wanted to. And I loved it. It became like a little like sacred space of like creativity. Oh, that's such a, that's such a cool outcome. I, I don't know if I've told you this, but I didn't cook at all growing up. Um, my mom always what? did all of the cooking. Yeah, isn't that weird? Huh. And yes, and I even weird. talked to her about it a couple of times. And yeah, you just, you know, I mean, my mom was just always in the kitchen and I didn't really help. She didn't really ask. And that was that. And then I took a cooking class in high school and liked it. And then so it wasn't hmm. a hard transition to cooking for myself in college because I knew how to do it, but I didn't practice it at home. But you're, really. a late, you're a late bloomer when it comes to cooking then. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Um, but well, I think, 
yeah. think part of it for my mom is she was a single mom. So I know that we were talking about like cooking for one, right? She cooked for one, one plus, but that plus being smaller than herself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, so I know for her, it was a big part of also just making it more easier at home for her. And so she knew that if I could cook, I could also help cooking. So I would have a sign like cooking nights. And, and so I think it was also just a practical thing. And she knew I was going to fare better in life if I knew how to take care of myself. So, but she didn't do it as a chore. It was always like with love, if that makes sense. I really, I like that approach because I, that was something that I realized was a little bit of a struggle for me. Um, a lot of what I saw growing up, um, it, it seemed like it was more of a chore, more than mm-hmm. just at my house. And, and it, you know, I mean, like whatever works for you, I guess, is one thing. But, you know, if you like cooking or have had good experiences cooking, I think it's really helpful to reframe that so that it is something that's enjoyable for you. And that might mean yeah. it's going to look a little bit different or you're just, you know, changing your mindset about it. I, I really like that. Yeah. So, so you like to cook. Tell me, tell me a little <laughs> bit about um, how, like what you learned growing up, how that in, has influenced how you cook now and even more broadly, like your experiences living in different countries. And maybe that's too broad of a question, but we'll just start with it. <laughs> we'll, we'll hit it all. <laughs> um, I think now looking back, my mom was definitely not an experiential, experimental cook. Oh, yeah. um, we, no spice whatsoever in any, in any form. Um, and never any like crazy oriental dishes or anything exotic. It was very basic. Um, but I guess I learned a lot of the basics. Um, it wasn't quite a chef course, so there's a lot of stuff I still don't know how to do. But um, it was a pretty healthy overall. Um, everything was always, there was never frozen, like free pre-packaged meals ever, ever, ever. We didn't have a microwave. And so everything had to be cooked from scratch, mm-hmm. which I guess is a good thing. Um, so I definitely have always seen the link between where does the food come from? What is it? Does it turn out to afterwards? Which I think still to this day, it's one of the biggest part of my cooking and my just food awareness is are the actual produce and the, and the materials that I use. Um, that's always my first priority. So yeah. I think um, so I think that was that was what I brought from there. And then it doesn't have it was never like several hours of cooking except for when people came over, then we could spend hours and days planning it. Um, but I quickly realized moving abroad that that looked very differently in different places, right? Um, in Denmark, I'm obviously I'm generalizing, but in general, people eat out very, very rarely. I might have eaten out once a year, once every other year as a child. Wow. Um, and that's not that uncommon. One, it's very expensive, but also there's a culture First of all, usually both parents work, but they don't work more than 37, 40 hours a week, which means everyone is home by five, six, and everybody cooks together and everybody eats together every single night. Mm-hmm. Like that's, of course, not true for every family, but it's a, generally that's true. Um, and so when I moved to the U.S. and people would like stand up eating or sit in front of the screen or not eat together at all. And like Sunday meals suddenly became a thing because that was literally the only time people actually gathered. Um, and so that was a very big, very, very big shift um, and and not one that I ever like felt fully comfortable with. I really, I think there's a beautiful thing about gathering around food and that's probably the biggest challenge by being alone. That's a big challenge being in London because in London, nobody has time for anything. Um, <laughs> and so here it's eat on the go. It's like a typical big city, right? Eat on the go. I'm always the only one who's had produce in the fridge if I've lived with other people, right? Um, 
And so I miss that. I miss that here a lot. I have to be very intentional about bringing people together. And people don't invite each other home very often in London. People are very private. I guess the Brits are just very private. So most eating is now out. It's no longer in the home. And I miss that. I miss that quite a lot. So I think there are different cultures, obviously, wherever you go. Here it's a melting pot, which is my favorite part about London. Um, but the eating at home with friends has kind of been substituted by restaurants now, which I, I guess is both good and bad. Yeah, it is. It's, it's interesting and it's different. I, I, I mean, not to the extent that you've experienced it, but through my experiences living with different roommates you know, for the past 10, 12 years, I feel like my eating habits have changed a lot based off of what the habits of those that I was living with were. Did you, have you experienced that at all? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think you need to find kind of what your style is, right? You want to be flexible and you need to adapt. Um, but for me, it's one that, I think especially, if, well, both if you're not outside of your home, but even if you're outside of your country, your normal culture, it's one of the easiest way for me to stay close to my culture and to who I am, I guess. And so when I've given up too much of that and my way of eating and conformed too much to other when I became too American <laughs> in my eating habits, like I could feel it, like I was like missing a part of my culture. Um, and so I've loved to kind of nurture that. And usually people find it really fun to learn about other kind of cooking and cultures. And so that's something I've, I've learned now that it's important for me to stay true to, I guess, for me, because mm-hmm. it's a way of, um, I guess, because it's part of who I am and my personality. That's not true for everybody, but it is for me. So it's important to keep that up. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I And maybe I'm extrapolating a little bit too much on what you're saying, but through my experiences, it's been interesting to see how I've, like you said, kind of conformed to what they do. I think mostly because, and it, and it one instance in particular, um, a lot of the people that I was living with um, ate out a lot, which like neither good nor bad, but it was a 180 degree difference from the way that I grew up and, and kind mm. of what I had done before then. And so it was a fun experiment, you know, to try like, oh, you know, to feel a little bit more comfortable with eating out more often and just experiment with something different. But kind of as you had been talking about, like realizing that, okay, that's not really the way that I like to do things because, mm-hmm. you know, I, we lived together for a year and it's, mm-hmm. I mean, we know that we both really like cooking. And so being able to incorporate that into day to day living, or at least during the week, um, is an important part of life. And so at least yeah. for me, it was a good experience to see the other side of things and, it's, and to really reinforce what my, um, preference is for eating, I guess. Mm-hmm. Have you, have you felt that at all? Yeah, I think actually that year that we lived together, that was the year in the States where I felt the most at home with that aspect. I think because we all shared it, which is really unique, actually. I think all of us, yeah, all of us actually at the house at the time, there was five of us, right? Four, five of us. Mm -hmm. We all like cooking, which I've never experienced before. And so I think we were really lucky with that and we could kind of gather around that. Um, But I feel like because for me, like food has always been a very, very social thing that's in my culture. And so people around me, are not necessarily like that. It's finding out, one, was it a chore for them? Is it something they just haven't experienced and they haven't, you know, seen the light? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you just try and convert them, right? But um, I think it's, um, like, creating, for me, creating good food experiences for others and then just finding the right kind of crowd so I can still stay true to the things that make me happy but but bring other people into it as well. Um, but, yeah, I remember the first place I lived in the States and hopefully 
um, they'll never hear this. But um, I remember the first place I lived, I was mortified. I mean, one of them, I think she had grown up with a personal chef. She came from a really wealthy family from another country. Oh, wow. Um, and she wouldn't touch the dishes. And that's one of the downsides by having to conform and live with other people, right? Is that if they don't do it your way. And so, like, old food would be standing on the counters for, like, weeks, molding everywhere. And I just remember... It, like the kitchen has been almost like a sacred space for me. And it was just, I didn't know what to do with myself. I didn't know how to eat. I didn't know where to go. I was like so confused because my space had been taken over by some like mold monster. And so <laughs> that's when I realized, oh, like not everybody shared this culture. Like some people had people cook for them, right? Like literally like staff. Other people just are too busy or whatever. So um, yeah, I think that if it's important to you, I think it's worth investing the time and the resources. I've always spent more money on produce than most people around me because I, I care about it. It's important to me. Mm-hmm. And um, that was a big deal when I was in my early 20s and you want to be like everybody else. But now, you know, that's just what I do. And I'm quite happy about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's kind of an evolution in figuring out like where you stand compared to everybody else. And it's not like an us versus or me versus everybody else no. thing. It's just recognizing what, you know, brings you joy as mm. maybe silly as that sounds, but I think that's important. Um, that's, that's so cool. How, um, so you talked about this a little bit. What do you, what do you do? What have you found to be helpful in bringing people together to eat? Cause you talked about like, that's something you really value. It comes from the culture that you grew up with. What What do you do in a culture that maybe doesn't see it the same way that you do? Yeah, that's a good question. I think um, sometimes you just got to, you know, you just decide what's most important. Is it most important for me to be with people or be with people in the way that I want to? Mm-hmm. And I just know here people are not going to invite each other over like me to their homes. That's just not a culture in London. And so I would rather be with the people and then, you know, I make something fun out of it and try and make sure that we always try new restaurants and try something fun. But um, I live in a tiny, tiny, I'm like, this is London, right? I live in a tiny space. I tripled my rent when I moved here mm-hmm. and like got a third in income. And I live in a little shoebox, but I have a table and four chairs because I want to be able to have people over. And so that's something I always make sure nobody, literally no matter how big the space is, that I always have, have the room to invite people over. Um so I usually have to initiate and instigate it and if I'm in a culture where that's not familiar. Um, and then eventually you start, you find your species, you find people that do it similar to you. Here, I'm getting a big kick out of doing little international dinner groups. So finding people from different places in the world, because I am in London and that's a thing. And then we take turns cooking and teaching each other how to cook from home. So, um, yeah, I try to just find out what are the opportunities around me and then kind of monopolize on those and um but here in london a big part is eating out and so like you said i'm trying to find like find get a kick out of that and find out how i can make that work for me and how i can and then you know there's time in the season another time i'll be able to spend more time at home cooking and hopefully we'll have more space to invite more people over <laughs> that's such a that's so cool i so you you like to you found it helpful to focus on um, kind of incorporating learning about different food cultures into mm-hmm. that's such a cool idea. And we've done that before too. Yeah, we have, we, <laughs> we, uh, we have a mutual friend who, um, also likes sushi as much as I do. And so we decided to pretend to be sushi chefs and teach <laughs> sushi classes for people in our neighborhood. 
And you and, knew more yeah. than I did and, and our mutual friend did as well. So, and, and I think yeah. everybody who has gone to those has learned a lot, but that's such a great, it's a fun evening and it's, it's fun to be a part of things, even if you don't necessarily know how to, to cook so well. So that's something that yeah. could be helpful for, or fun for people of different skills in the kitchen, I guess. And I think it just takes someone with enthusiasm for it, right? Because you can even just do some YouTube videos and teach yourself and then teach each other. But um, I think it's just this, like, the challenge of, like, learning something new together. I think that's like, creates a really good bond. And usually people tend to be more willing because it's a little bit more of an experience. Mm-hmm. It's not just a meal, but, it, like, it adds to it. That's a great point. Yeah, I like that. I So I had another question for you kind of along those same lines. So... Eating together, eating with other people is really important to you, as you've talked about. And it is for a lot of people. I, you know, when it comes down to cooking for one, I hear it all the time and I've experienced it myself where we, you know, you'd be so willing to like put a lot of effort and time into cooking for other people, but that doesn't necessarily translate to Mm -hmm. us doing that for ourselves. So as somebody who really values eating with other people and in a situation where that's not always feasible. What, what do you do? Have, have you found anything to help you enjoy cooking for yourself and eating by yourself more? It's a great question. And I'm really happy to hear that. I'm not the only one um, suffering from the social eating (laughs) syndrome here. No, Um, you're not. It's, it's, it's hands out outside of doing the dishes, which I think is probably the most universal, like (laughs) hatred, um, surrounding food. That's a huge, um, concern for a lot of people. Hmm. Yeah. Um, that's a really good question. I think it's, so that's evolved. Mm -hmm. And there are times in my life where, um, I did not make that a priority and I am now, I think I've just gotten better at general self-care and just making time for me mm-hmm. um, and so and that's a really big part of it for me um I think I like I try not to compromise just because I eat alone I don't want to eat crap if that makes sense and so sure. I I cook as nicely food for myself as I do for others and that's something like developed over the last few years and I really enjoy that so I I enjoy the meal like very very much so um so I think it's being intentional about it and taking the time and really spending me time and so it's not a means to an end, but it's like the end. And so, um, for instance, I don't do all sorts of things while I cook or while I eat. I try to be a lot more mindful about it so I actually enjoy it. So Because otherwise, I mean, if you're sitting in front of the screen, you're doing something else, you didn't even notice that you finished the meal, and suddenly it's not enjoyable. It's not going to be worth spending 45 minutes doing that. And so I think, like, the reward, if you will, quote-unquote, for all the cooking, I like need to give myself space and time to actually enjoy it. Um, so that's a better motivator for me to actually cook. Um, and then I think I just need to, um, I mean, because I don't cook for someone else, like I have more time to do other things and that's okay. And I just need to appreciate that and that I, it's possible for me to be out so many nights in the week than I am and enjoy that for now. Cause that's going to change at some point one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's true. It's, it's much harder and to make that transition. But I think I'm just teaching myself that I am as worthy of an audience for my cooking as any guests are. (laughs) And so to have as much fun with it. Um, And it actually seems to be working. And so um, I just spoil myself and have fun. Um, And so it becomes less of a chore. Give me a second while I write that down. (laughs) 
<laughs> You're taking notes there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it saves me time, but also that's that's a fantastic soundbite, Louisa. I like that. But it's, I mean, that's that's such a great way to put it. I, I'm as worthy of an audience for cooking as anyone else is. And I think that's what it really comes down to. Um, maybe, you know, okay, again, assuming that if you're somebody who enjoys cooking, then you deserve to take that time or to prioritize it again, because it is self-care and it's something that you enjoy doing. So therefore it's, it's worth it, but, Mm -hmm. or, or it, it could be worth it, I guess, but that's not how everybody sees it. And I, I, part of what I really like about doing these interviews is that we get lots of different perspectives here. Um, Mm. I think you, at least as far as I've been doing these, you're a little bit unique in that you like to, you know, be really mindful and turn off distractions when you're cooking and eating. Um, maybe again, it's a cultural thing and, and the American way is more, you know, like to distract yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, you know, I think either is good. Whatever, as we've talked about before, like finding that place that kind of energizes you and gets you excited to want to cook for yourself or gets you excited about food in whatever way is really the end game. And whatever it is that's going to take you to get to that point is great. You know what? I actually think now that I'm thinking about it, like just while you're talking, I learned a lot of that from you, actually. I know oh, you really? don't talk about you here, but that's that's true. So when we live together, I noticed that you you do the same thing. You don't make anything less great for yourself than anybody else. And I just thought that was really cool. Like I observed you probably not fully consciously and you probably certainly weren't conscious of this. But no. I just I watch your food habits. I mean, I saw you up close when like the microphone everything is turned off right like how you actually live things and like you live with you preach right and it was just it was cool to see that food brought you joy also just by you and and that was quite inspiring so now that I think of it I think that because that wasn't always the case for me at all I was not good at prioritizing that for myself so I actually think that's mainly come since since I live with you so you can take credit for that Wow. Thank you so much. Well, and I, that sounded a little bit flippant. I didn't mean it that way, but, um, but I, there's really something to be gained about like, again, like hearing these stories from people and also witnessing it because Mm. it's not in a, by learning that way, you're not being preached to, you're not being told what to do. And, um, there's a lot of value in that because then you can see, Oh, that looks interesting or, they look super happy or that looks really good or whatever it is. And then you're kind and then you, the wheels get turning. Um, mm-hmm. cause I'm not somebody, there are some exceptions, but I don't, I don't like to be told what to do. So no, to be yeah. able to see it versus being told is powerful. Yeah, I agree. Amen. And yeah. And then going off of that. So I interviewed Joni and I pulled it up and which, um, so episode 20 <laughs> for the, 20 people listening to this. Um, so in episode 20, I talked to Joni, who was also a roommate with us at that time. And, you know, that was, that really was a special, um, experience that we had with food Yeah, because we all really liked to eat. We all had our own lives and our own schedules, but we also really liked to eat and cook together when we could. Mm-hmm. And we had some really great like dinner parties and other <laughs> kinds of parties and, do you remember no. what we called the house? Uh, yeah, but I can't say right now. What, what do we call it? 
the party house. Do you remember? <laughs> Why? The food and because the party house? Because we love food and parties. <laughs> and someone came up with the word party, and that's, like, all I remember. I haven't heard that in a long time, but yeah. I, I know. <laughs> but it's true. It really was. And I feel like we always made the circle bigger. Mm-hmm. Like, we always had people show up, or, like, people always welcome. That's something I really loved and appreciated. Like, the the table was always expanding. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, if... If you're in, you know, maybe like moving to a new place or in a situation where you want to expand, you know, the people that you're interacting with or friends or whatever, I think dinner parties, whether it's a potluck or you're providing the food is a really simple, no pressure, easy way to, you know, get to know other people because you're not Mm. distracted by anything else. You're sitting in like close proximity and at least in my experience, most people are present in those at those times. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, who doesn't want free food or to be able to share <laughs> food with other people? Americans are really big on free food, by the way. Oh, my. Well, and maybe that's just a college thing, too. <laughs> <laughs> but it's but true. Supermarkets, there's like samples everywhere. I remember that. that was quite funny. Oh, yeah. Costco. Let me tell you. <laughs> so... Okay. I can't believe it's almost, we're just over 20 minutes. So I just have a couple more questions for you. I, going back to what, um, you were talking about, like how cooking and and making food from scratch is a priority and is part of the culture that you grew up in. Have you, in this day, especially, you know, in your life right now, you're really busy. Have you found any hacks or any ways to, you know, make cooking from scratch or, good food easier and quicker for yourself? Uh, good question. And maybe I should say, just like it, it might sound like I'm doing this like wonderful food show for myself every night, which is not the case. I, I'm probably only home one to three nights a week to actually like over dinner time. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of it is on the go or like brought with me. I think, so it didn't work very well in the beginning when I moved here, but over the summer, I started to to do a bit of just like weekly planning and food planning. So over the weekend, I'll usually take an hour or two to kind of prep the week ahead of me. And it actually was spurred by the fact that I wanted, I wanted to be able to cook more and better for myself. Like I wanted to, what we talked about, I wanted to incorporate that in my life a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But, but I knew I had to be, <coughs> excuse me, intentional about it because life here is just like a rat race. And, and I knew it wasn't going to happen otherwise. So on good weeks, which are most weeks actually now, I will... Um, I will make like a meal plan of what I'd like to eat the following week or like to cook. And realistically, it's only going to be a few nights, but then, you know, the classic of making enough that I can last for a few days. But, and then going down and like having a fun little trip to the, cause I love going to the store, just buying food is one of my favorite things. Me too. And so, yeah, I just, I, just, I kind of make it something fun, but then I don't have to stress about it cause I'm not very good about being creative, like on demand. And especially if it's been a long day. And so that's, because on the weekends, I give myself a break. That's when I have the mental space to think about what foods are yummy or try something new. So that's probably been the biggest. I like I have to be intentional and prepare when I have the space for it. Because during the week, I, it just needs to be there and just needs to work. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. Um, and then most big cities, we tried something communal. But at least if you live in a big city, getting... Um, getting boxes like delivered to the door is possible, right? So there's a really, really great organic farm that delivers to the door here that I've loved using. And, and there, there can be more affordable now. I feel like if there's enough, the market is big enough that the price is going down, become a little bit more 
normal. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another way, um, especially if you're pressed for time. I usually find, though, that they take a lot longer to cook than they insist on the boxes. So, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's usually yeah. a total scam. So, um, <laughs> but, yeah, I think just, I think the purposes, or, like, the point is just, like, being, my, like, being intentional about it, like, preparing in advance, even just what you're going to cook. So when you're in the minute and you're fried after a long day, you don't have to worry about it. And two, just give yourself a lot of self-compassion because most of the time that doesn't happen, right? And that's okay. And then just knowing what the healthy kind of to-go um, easy meals are so you don't end up on some sort of burger binge for months and end. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, like you said, it's really easy to get into that all-or-nothing thinking. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, and there's a lot of research that supports this, and so we won't get into it, but at the end of the day, when you think like, okay, well, I'm either going to eat this way or I'm not, then you're just mm-hmm. setting yourself up to not do yeah. things that yeah. are, well, not even that, but just to do things that um, aren't going to be helpful for your body, don't feel good. And, and it, I mean, you're just like, it's like this predestined to not be happy with what things are. Cause it's either, I'm either going to be quote unquote good, or I'm going to be quote unquote bad. But then that quote unquote bad for a lot of people may not be exactly what feels good or what you actually mm-hmm. want to do. And so you're putting yourself in a box in that position, which is not always helpful. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I... Um, maybe we need to make this into two episodes. I don't know, but um, is there anything else that you wanted to to share or to talk about? Um, no, this has been really fun. I think it's fun. It's fun to like reflect on things. It's such a huge part of life, but we don't stop and think about food that often. Yeah, like you do, but the rest of us don't. So this unless is really your job helpful. is it, yeah. What was that? Unless yeah, that's exactly, your job, right? but it's. It's good you're helping the rest of us to be a little bit more mindful. Maybe that's like my last point. Like you mentioned how um, I tried, like I'm trying to be more mindful. And I think it's just, it's one of the, food and cooking is one of the few things that you, I mean, it just, it's really hard to do well and do with love if you're like multitasking or multifocusing. Like I just, I suck at following a recipe and doing something else in the, at the same time. I just can't do it. Mm-hmm. So it's one of the few things in my otherwise like, fairly high pace all over the place life that like centers me very much so so mm-hmm. when I cook that's like all my little brain can handle and so I just cook and so it's become one of these like one of my favorite like single tasking things to do <laughs> so if I'm like extremely distracted like one of the best things I can do is actually just go in the kitchen and just do like one thing at a time so if there are any other very frazzled like busy single household people out there like that's that's one thing I've started using it for which has been been quite fun actually that's such a great thought and I and I totally agree my experience has been the same um I have tried to multitask when cooking and yesterday was a great example as I was trying to like batch prep stuff that I was planning on doing like on Sunday or Monday and then it happened on Wednesday which actually isn't (laughs) like that bad but uh, or I mean like that long but yeah I was trying to do all of these things and it was really stressful it was hard it wasn't that enjoyable but um even spending 15 minutes in the kitchen and like and you know take a deep breath before you walk in the kitchen or walk up to the stove or whatever it's a it's a it's a way to center yourself I think and yeah it's you know if that's how you like the the habit that you create around it or the, how do you say, like the feeling that you create about it. Mm -hmm. I think that is something that will carry through to your future experiences. 
Yeah. Yeah. Wisely said. On that note. (laughs) (laughs) Wise note from Rebecca Klein. (laughs) Sometimes they come. Sometimes they do. All right. Well, thanks so much for chatting. This was super fun. And I, I like, I like talking, I like philosophizing about food with people and I'm glad that's where this went and I'm not surprised. It's fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the table for one podcast with Rebecca. If you're cooking for one or know of somebody who is, make sure to subscribe to the Table for One podcast on your favorite podcast app. That way you can stay up to date on new episodes that will help you make cooking for one easier and more enjoyable. Feel free to continue the conversation over at in the Table for One Facebook group. You can also find recipes or work with Rebecca over at nourishnutritionblog.com or honestly the easiest way is to follow me on My handle is nnc underscore table. And you can click on the link of my profile to get more great resources for cooking for one. Talk to you next week.